Thank you for joining me today for the first edition of Insanely Awesome Chance. Really, it's an initiative to help entrepreneurs build more resilience through experiences of uh, established founders like Rajol. And really, the inspiration was, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a small story here. You know, anytime someone asks me how I'm doing, and my usual response is to say, I'm insanely awesome. And when I say that, it lifts me up. And I have a strong belief that the recipient also gets lifted up by that. So really, um, it's a philosophy about being positive and how positivity can attract positivity in worst of times. And I was really inspired by a book I read back in sort of 2015 in my own personal journey, you know, when we were going through some rough times, a book called uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck. And it focused a lot about how you know you need to have a growth mindset, especially in such times and challenging times. So, you know, as entrepreneurs, we all go through peaks and valleys, and it's the resilience to go through the current set of times that enables you to come out on the other side as victorious. So, uh, to kickstart today, I am delighted and lucky to have my close friend Rajul Garg, who's the founder and MD of uh, Leo Capital. He's also my go-to guy when I have, uh, you know, tough questions that I want to answer. So just a bit about Rajul, he's uh, played a critical role in mentoring founders and shaping the startup ecosystem in India that has boomed and become the epicenter of every business discussion in the last 10 years. However, very few people know that Rajul was one of the earliest tech entrepreneurs who started his first company after completing his B-Tech in 1998 from IIT Delhi. So Pine Labs, which a lot of you must be familiar with, is a billion dollar company. Today is a market leader and visible at every retail outlet used for paying through your debit and credit cards. His second venture, which was another billion dollar company, Global Logic, is a prominent name in the IT product outsourcing space. And he started that company in 2000. So Raju built the operation ground up in India and then expanded through global acquisitions until 2008. Uh, not resting for uh, on his laurels, Raju then moved on to consult top tier venture capital firms such as Sequoia, uh, where he got exposure to the education sector and in 2011 founded a unique model of launching free online courses through Sunstone Business School, which is now quickly becoming the new normal. So uh, before we start, uh, I wanted to lay out a few house rules. So we would be recording the session and we'll share this with you all afterwards. Uh, the plan is to talk about for 30 to 40 minutes and then reserve 20 minutes for audience Q&A. So if you have questions, I encourage you to please ask the questions uh, in the Q&A and not in the chat box. Uh, we'll try to pick up the questions as we go along as well. All right, so Rajul, um, over to you. Tell us uh, something that I didn't cover, and uh, you know something that you know your closest friends or colleagues would know about your background. 
Bhanu, so first of all, thank you so much for inviting me on this series uh, as the as the first guest, I should say. And I think uh, pleasure to being with a celebrated entrepreneur like yourself. I think uh, you know somebody who sort of built a global business out of India, and I've totally enjoyed our discussions. And I remember very clearly the first time I asked you a few months back, "How are you?" and you said, "Insanely awesome." And uh, it has sta- it stayed with me instantly. Like you said, you know, it's, it creates positivity for yourself and it created positivity for me. And I remember telling many people that, you know, I, I met this friend and he told this to me and it has stayed with me, you know? So I think uh, what, a, what a great sort of um, way to respond and what a great way to be, you know, which is basically, you know, continuing to stay positive, especially in the times that we are in where something or the other is always growing up in the world, right? I think so. I think uh, so. Just a fantastic philosophy, I would say. There's so many things coming to a specific question. Uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, Bhanu, I think, as you know, I mean, there's so many near death experiences, which kind of, uh, you know, uh, never really come out. Because when you look at history, you always look at the wins and you look at, okay, pine lines became so big and rural logic became so big. So I would say I have been at least three very close to very three near-death experiences in business, I mean, you know, that people don't, uh, don't know much about. But I think the biggest one was 9-11. So I was actually uh, here in D.C., right next to the Pentagon, uh, you know, in, uh, on 9-11. And we were having an internal meeting in Global Logic, you know, discussing business strategy at 8.30 a.m. And the planes hit at around 9 a.m. Uh, you know, and nobody believed it. People said, you know, what, yeah. you know, you must be kidding or something. And, uh, and it was uh, just a crazy experience. And I was right in the middle of it. And believe it or not, the next day, 9-12, I went to New York. The trains were still running because my brother lives there. So I think that's one thing I, I know, which was a surreal experience for us, both as a business and personally, uh, you know, for the next few months. Uh, but, uh, you know, like everything else, you, we just stayed insanely awesome, kept our heads down, kept doing our work. And like everything else came out of that as well. But I think that's one I could think of, which was kind of just really like a surreal once in a lifetime, I thought kind of experience that you would have. Yeah. So Raju, one of the questions I also get asked a lot when I've been on similar webinars, because a lot of the audience today is entrepreneurs, is, you know, the drying up of the funds. So in your experience at that time, and if, you know, you have more recent experience with any of your portfolio companies, you know, how are you, I know in the U.S., you know, uh, a lot of the uh, companies have uh, the flexibility to raise these loans. You know, the Fed pumped in a lot of money through their new package. Um, but I'm sure there are some companies that you have India-based. For entrepreneurs that are based in India and are facing similar funding problems, you know, what advice would you have for them? Look, it's tough, right? So, I mean, if you are like we have, you know, we have companies in a portfolio where sort of they were really shining, right? Until January and February. And, and, and again, Bhanu, you're yourself in an industry which has been hard hit, you know, travel and hospitality. So I think companies which are sort of related to these sectors, travel, hospitality, even lending, you know, I mean, all these kind of businesses, they have been really, really hard hit. And, uh, I think honestly, there is no objective rational formula that sort of you can apply and say, okay, let's do these three things uh, and come out. I think, I think the first is for sure to keep your positivity up. I think because, you know, if as a founder yourself, you know, you sort of lose that hope or lose that positivity, then I think you're really, I think then it's hard to make work, right? Because you still need to find that source of energy for the company and for employees and for everyone else. And I, I really believe that 
founders provide that. You know, so I think that's the first thing. I think then tactically, obviously, you have to look at how much cash you have, you know, make a survival plan of sorts. I, I think, you know, like every other crisis, this will also be over at some point of time, you know, if it, whether it's two quarters more or three quarters more, you know, I think that's kind of, we have to see, but I think, so you have to make a conservative plan based on the cash that you have, uh, because many startups cash is the most important thing, right? They run out of cash uh, and they die, right? So I think, so you have to make a plan accordingly, uh, you know, make that ca cash last longer. Maybe that results in sort of, you know, salary cuts and letting people go, cutting down your business activity, but you just have to do it, I guess. And I think what I've seen is really good founders do it quickly and do it with a certain level of positivity and matter of factness versus the other founders, you know, sometimes just languish too long or they become despondent or they sort of, uh, you know, whiny, let's say, right. That's sort of what happened to me, but you know, none of that changes the facts on the ground. Right. I mean, it's better to just take the bull by the horn and sort of deal with it whatever has been served to you, I think. So I think, but, but we have so many companies which have fully survived, uh, you know, at least so far, and they will survive, I know, through the whole crisis, capital or not, one way or the other, they just keep finding ways. They find, you know, some of them pivoted to doing COVID-friendly stuff, right? Uh, you know, start making PPEs, start selling masks, you know, all kinds of, like, whatever you can think of, right? If, even if you're in the vicinity of that, you'd start doing it. But, you know, that's what it takes. Just survive right now and then we'll fight another day, you know, like next year. So, you know, yeah. you you touched upon something and really that's sort of the whole theme and philosophy behind this is to keep yourself insanely awesome, which is be positive. So what's your wonder drug? Like, how do you, how do you keep yourself positive? You know, is there, you know, are there certain sort of hobbies, certain sort of routine? You know, um, I was I, I recently picked up this book called Stillness is Key by Ryan Holding. And he it was very interesting. He talked about Winston Churchill because he went through a big crisis around World War II and how he kept himself calm. And he had these hobbies. And they talked about Winston Churchill had bricklaying as a hobby, which I was surprised that bricklaying could be a hobby as well. And, and drawing. And then it talks about how Leonardo da Vinci used to go for a walk. So, you know, what do you sort of, you know, do you listen to music? Are there hobbies? What's your wonder drug to keep you? I mean, you're a very, very positive guy and it rubs off, you know, every time I've met you as well. I think, Bhanu, first of all, I, I'll say that, honestly, I feel I'm blessed and I've just always been positive. You know, so I think my default sort of uh, way of being or in a situation I mean, negativity doesn't come to me easy. You know, you have to sort of really sort of inject it and sort of, you know, you'll have to work at it if you want to really make me depressed or really upset about something. You know, it has happened, right? Yeah. But, uh, and I, I didn't know this when I was sort of growing up, you know, obviously you just automatically grow up or even as an entrepreneur in early parts of my career. But now when I look back and I have much more life experiences and I look at other entrepreneurs, close friends tell me, that, you know, you don't know it, but you are naturally just calm and sort of positive. So I don't get overly excited when there's a big success. I don't get overly depressed, you know, when there is kind of something, some big loss. So I, I have that, I think, natural, I think I'm blessed. I can say that now because I've observed myself now over so, so many years. Uh, but so it doesn't take much, you know, for me, like, for example, I love walking, for example, you know. And walking something you can do anywhere, right? Like I'm, I'm here in the US and weather is great. So I can just go out and take a walk uh, or in Delhi, you know, I, my favorite place is Lodi Garden. So I would sort of go out for a walk. I do a lot of walking meetings. 
that's all normally actually takes. I mean, it's, it doesn't, it's never a Herculean effort with me uh, because I am naturally sort of like that. That's my natural state of being. Uh, and it happens very quickly. But I have picked up other hobbies which are creatively satisfying. Like I, when I came to the US, I started cooking a lot more. And I really took to it because it's just a creative process. Uh, and I think uh, it's been very satisfying to me. I think, uh, and you know, that's another thing that always sort of cheers me up uh, if it comes out right. Uh, you know, so I think, uh, I think those things, music, of course, and other stuff. But, you know, like, I, I think I remember Naval tweeting uh, once, Naval Ravikant, you know, and he said that, you know, you retire when you find the work that you love. And I just love my work so much you know, then I just feel that, you know, I'm just so privileged, right? I'm sort of working with fantastic entrepreneurs, right? They're giving me sort of the juice of their learning of many years in half an hour, right? Uh, yeah. Preparing it just to me. I get an ability to participate in their success. Uh, so I'm just so privileged work-wise that that just superimposes like every other thing, you know, like when there are yeah. sort of small things here and there. It's just a really fantastic place to be. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things I notice is that a lot of people notice your success. You know, somebody like yourself, they will see, oh, Rajul is, you know, serial entrepreneur, built billion dollar companies. But, you know, what they don't realize is the effort and, you know, these break moments that I'm sure that you must have gone in building each of these fantastic organizations to talk about you know, one moment in, in your career where you were building something and you were like, man, I'm ready to give up. And, you know, what caused that break moment and how did you, you know, pick yourself up and, and get, get back? Yeah. So, you know, and, and you know this again, that overnight success takes 15 years, right? I think it's just overnight success is just built brick by brick over 15, 20 years is what you've consistently seen, uh, you know, across businesses. Um, look, I think uh, I'll talk about a time when, um, you know, this is after Pine Labs, after Globe. See, when I did Pine Labs and even Global Logic, I was 22, 23, you know, right out of college. And, you know, very naive, honestly, you know, like I just walked into stuff, didn't think too much. And one thing led to another. If it was successful, that is great. If it was not so successful, I was so young that I said, it's fine. You know, we'll sort of figure it out next year. You know, but when all this happened and then after I was a consultant to Sequoia for a while, and then when I started the educational company, this was, I think, 2012, 13, you know, at this time, I had a lot more sort of expectation from myself, right? I thought now I know, right? I've run businesses, you know, I've made some money. I have a lot more knowledge about how these things should be done. Uh, and I think the first couple of years, we just had a terrible time. You know, when we launched the product, they were just a complete disaster. You know, we just saw no success. And it was just a very humbling experience, you know, because again, it was not as humbling when sort of we had challenges in Pine Labs and Google Logic, because my own expectation for myself was low. But this was just like, you know, eating humble pie that, you know, here you are sort of, you know, you're like $2 billion businesses and you're doing a new business. And this just, the market is just not receiving it, you know. Uh, so that was tough, you know, to sort of tell to yourself. It is a great lesson that, you know, none of us really know. You know, it's like, you know, even if you're Sachin Tendulkar, every time you go out to bat, it's a new innings, right? And sometimes you get out on zero and sometimes, you know, you make a century, you know, it's just the way it is. You have to approach every new innings with that same level of caution and learning and, and humility, you know, every time you get onto the pitch. So I think, I think that's been my big learning uh, from that episode and that has stayed with me. Uh, we eventually did make it work and now actually that whole sort of concept is quite successful. Uh, but, you know, it was a really, really sort of tough and mainly because of the arrogance that seeps in, 
you know, that we know, right, that I know how it's going to be work versus that learning, seeking attribute that let's figure it out, which I think is absolutely key again to the positivity. I think. No, no, well said, Rajul. I think, um, you know, humility is a core value. We practice at Radegain is a core value. I practice. I think it's important, you know, as I was talking about growth mindset, you know, once you feel like you know it all, you know, that's sort of your end of your being. So I think it's important to continue to keep that growth mindset. So let me ask you, you know, I think uh, our audience here, uh, again, a lot of them are entrepreneurs. You know, what What do you want to tell them as three hacks that they can implement, you know, in today's times to, you know, tie through this crisis? <laughs> it's hard to pick uh, three, I think, uh, Bhanu, but let me let me give it a try. But I think the first one is definitely an ability to just keep going, I think, which is the whole topic of building resilience, right? I think, uh, you know, it's an old cliche that sort of, if you can just keep going, you'll figure it out. But it is true. And I now have seen it in so many cases that I think uh, you just, it's undeniably true. So if you can hang in there, like it's like, if you play poker, right? I mean, if you, if you get off from the table, then you're done, right? But till you're sitting on the table, even with, you know, few chips, you have a chance, right? And you can sort of get a good hand, macro environment changes, something else changes, right? So your sort of lady luck does come your way, right? If you hang in there long enough, right? You will find a window option, window of opportunity that sort of you can maximize your sort of business or your gains. So I think just being ready to be, to hang in there, you know, for a longer period of time, whether it's financially, emotionally, um, you know, I think that is uh, an absolute key uh, in my head. And that's the way to be, you know, I think you may one fine, one fine day decide that you've had enough and you may stop it. Right. But until that point comes, I think your mental state should be that I'm in it for a very long time. And I'm sort of, I'm just, I'm going to make it work. I think uh, that resilience, I think it's probably the number one. I think in the modern environment, I would put agility as number two. You know, I think there is a lot of change and, you know, because we are in an environment in such a flux, right? I mean, if you look at countries and if you look at economies, governments, right, the consumer behaviors, macro market, new companies coming up, that there is a lot of flux. And hence, I think it's important to be agile where you are fleet footed and sort of you are, you know, you can sort of uh, quickly change a little bit, right? And you're not too stuck to exactly the way that you want to do things you know, uh, and it's obviously a balancing act, right? You can't keep changing everything every quarter, right? But I would still take nimbleness and agility over fixation uh, in today's market, because I think that's what the market is like. And I think you're more aligned with the market, like going with the flow a little bit versus constantly going against the flow, um, you know, and figuring out where that flow is going with it a little bit. I think that would be number two. And number three, I would say is that when I look at businesses today, then, you know, the graph usually is not like that, that it's a linear graph like this, 20% growth every year. What I see constantly is that, you know, there are two or three like fantastic growth years where there's like 10x growth in two years, right? And then it's kind of maybe flat for a couple of years, right? Then it's again sort of two years where there's again massive growth. So it's much more like up and down. So I think recognizing those moments and maximizing value in those moments I think is what I see is succeeding a lot. And of course, as a venture fund, we want to be with you right before that moment, right? I and mean, that's our dream that we catch you right at that inflection point and ride those two, three years with you, right? Uh, but, uh, but I think that's how I see businesses, especially startups, versus like a more linear 20% per year kind of growth, you know, in most cases. So I think recognizing those moments and capitalizing them, 
I feel is the biggest growth hack. You know, so those are the three five to me. Uh, you know, you talked about. I'm talking about how can you spruce up your elevator pitch. I think one of the things here you're saying is, you know, very very clear um, and compelling value proposition that you can explain very easily and quickly. What else can you do to your elevator pitch? Yeah, so I think look if I take a step back then there are three things, right? That sort of any investor looks at and we look at too, right? So one is the space itself, right? So I mean that's a tough one, right? That can you build a large business in this space in the next few years, right? Um so you know some spaces are already too old, there are too many big companies, right? Uh, and all that. So w- why do we want to be can a big business be built in this space, right? If not you somebody else, right? But can a are times the side guest is it permitting to build a large business you know uh, in this space in the next few years so that's one right second is the team the team is team right so i mean if you are sort of you know if you're a good team and sort of uh, you have had some history of success you know you've established some integrity you know things like that right and the third i think which is very important which sachin's case i give is i would say we call it traction but it's really that specificity of 0 to 1 you know like a, a 0 to 1 problem is very different from like a 1 to 10 problem you know so you can't be generic anymore like you can't say that look i am in the healthcare space healthcare is a 20 billion dollar space i i am in the edtech space edtech is you know everybody in india share of wallet is 3% right so what right i mean it's fine right the space is fine right but what is your 0 to 1 specific right in the next let's say 6 to 9 months that will make you succeed right i think that is where a lot Clear of milestones experience. established milestones or clarity of sort of why you why this zero to one strategy will work right and which is the biggest risk we are taking as early stage investors right because even if let's say your space is fine your team is fine but your zero to one doesn't work then you know it would have been not a good investment for us right because you're using our money for this 9 to 12 months right to get from zero to one so i think more clarity and you know sort of a very specific approach of what you will do i think is very important to us I'm hoping a lot of the audience will find this useful. You know, it really got me an opportunity also to get up close and personal with you. So really appreciate you know you taking the time out. So thanks, and you're an insanely awesome guy. And I I hope you'll continue to create you know many multi baggers in the future ahead. Thank you, Balu. Great pleasure to be here. And likewise, I think uh, love the whole term and love the philosophy and a huge fan. Great, great. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Rajul. Thank you, everybody.